Welcome back, Spy fans. Uh, we're talking tonight about the Night Manager episode four. Uh, this is kind of a series we've been doing, kind of trying out a new format for our television shows. If you missed episode one, two, and three, you can go back and check those out on our website, spieslikeus.net. But if uh, you've already seen the show and you don't really feel like you need to be caught up, uh, you know, feel free to listen on. But just as a quick recap, our uh, protagonist, played by Tom Hiddleston, is Jonathan Pine, who was a night manager at some kind of high-end hotels and stumbles on some really incriminating information about some international arms deals, who uh, gets recruited by an intelligence officer, Angela Burr, who is uh, wants him to kind of... Uh, sneak in to the international arms deals and take down the big, uh, I don't know, billionaire black market guru, Richard Roper. Um, last week we left off with Jonathan Pine signing some uh, business documents uh, under his name to gain trade pass uh, as being the CEO of the company. Um, so this episode, we start out with uh I guess Roper explaining trade pass to him. And I thought it was important to kind of explain this a little bit because it kind of creates some separation. This is kind of how Roper kind of keeps himself safe. And if you remember, Corky was the one that was in charge of uh, running the shadow business. And that's been replaced by Jonathan Pine under an alias, Andrew Birch. Um, I kind of liked the idea of this mainly because it's, it's what's protects Roper and you get a little bit of this later on when they're checking at the hotel. You know, Birch is the one that his name is under all of the rooms for the whole gang. So you never really know where Roper is. Um, but this is kind of what sets off Corky's jealousy, so to speak. And um, he was already really suspicious of Pine because Pine just kind of comes out of nowhere and is now uh, Roper's best buddy because he saved uh, Roper's son's life. And... Um, Corky is just kind of like on a mission to like poke at Pine. And now that Pine has stepped up the ladder and is overshadowing Corky and Corky's kind of stuck to the side. Uh, he He's like massively taking shots to the point where he gets way too drunk at a restaurant that they're eating at and starts blowing up at Roper and, um, starts talking rubber you're not you're too blind to see what's going on you know this is like human hand grenade right in front of you and you're not paying attention um so this is kind of put uh one doesn't make corky look good but it also kind of raises suspicions with roper towards pine um what are, you, what are your kind of thoughts on this because this kind does of it, does it though i mean the theme for me of of this episode is every, nobody's nobody's doing their job well and right. I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, I mean, nobody. Um, right. I, didn't, I didn't have, actually, I didn't really have anything to say about Roper, except that I really do think he's, he's just like sleeping through this. Um, right. As far. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but let's put more of the, more of the blame on Corky here. Cause major Corcoran is like, we were kind of given, so we we're, we're, we kind of think he's smart, don't we? Yeah, he he's smart. It, it's just Angela and Pine and Oppo have basically thrown shade on him to make him look like a liability because of his 
drinking problems and his like indiscretion with his partners. Sure, but he's I mean he's got the right instincts here. Right. Um right. but the, what he does about it is so completely immature. Um <laughs> you know, if if he's if he's got these concerns, he should act he should like act on them. He should pursue like more information. He should I don't know, try to lay traps for for uh is it oh we're just gonna keep calling him pine even though he's what birch, birch now? now right yeah andrew right. birch yeah um and you know he should be he should be talk you know still trying to talk to roper and and lay out the case instead what he does is just like just make all these snide fucking smug self-satisfied sneering statements to right. <laughs> jonathan behind everyone's yeah. back Right. Which, and, you know, just like constantly telling someone, like, I'm watching you, I'm watching you, I'm watching you, isn't the way that, <laughs> that's not a good way to go about trying to catch them with their hand in the cookie jar. Right, they're just not going to have their hand in the cookie jar, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but he is losing it. I, it's not tradecraft related, but uh, I do think the writing and I don't just mean dialogue, but just like the characterizations in the show are so fucking fantastic. And uh, one thing I noticed that I really like is, you know, Corky is, um, uh, he's got a big vocabulary. You know, he, yeah. he's got a, he's got a classic education. Right. You know, he, he quotes poetry and he, and he makes a lot of his comments in very elaborately, uh, elegantly phrased barbs. That uh, again, he seems like very, very super satisfied with himself over. But when he gets drunk at the restaurant, he his sharpness just completely devolves into just like me, 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 fucking <sighs> fake French accents right. and calling people grease balls and saying, you know, the lobster live in the ocean, no? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, which it's just. It's just such perfect writing writing because it's like this is the behavior of someone that is used to, you know, um like you still when you're really, really drunk, you know, you still think that you can do the things you can do when you're sober, <laughs> but you can't. No. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. That was just really well done. But yeah, uh Corky is not he's not he's he's all minus spy points for me in this episode. Yeah, he just completely loses it and uh, flips out because there's no lobster for Jed or something. And then someone on a table next to him gets lobster and he just blows up at the waiter and makes a whole scene at the restaurant. By the way, the table next to them that got the lobster salad that Jed wanted, uh, the man that was getting the salad and, and uh, Corky just goes off on, that was Jean Le Carré. We had a, we had a nice little Jean Le Carré cameo. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was really fun to see. Um, but uh, yeah, no, but you're right. Like he just completely like loses it and is like outside of his element and is just kind of like throwing a tantrum. You know what I mean? And it, that's why I think it's it kind of works for Pine because it's like really adolescent. But like from the camera shots, you can kind of see Roper's paying attention, and the fact that Corky says like, "Give a human hand grenade right in front of you." 
Um, what one thing that did bother me though, like because you had said that Corky's like, oh, I'm watching you, I'm watching you. He actually approached Pine about Jed coming over to the college, uh, the cottage, late at night, and um, you know, I thought that was kind of really bad tradecraft on his part too. You don't want to like let him know. By the way, I saw this. Um, I understand that you know he he mentions that Roper would completely destroy Jed, like like just ruthlessly. And so maybe like, uh, you know, it kind of seems like Corky, you know, kind of has like a camaraderie with Jed and cares about her, you know, outside of business and so doesn't want to see her hurt. So I understand why he wouldn't bring it up to Roper. But what I don't understand is why he would be like, stay away from that girl. I'm watching you. Um, But I I think that's a good kind of lead into like Jed and Pine's relationship has developed a little uncomfortably like close <laughs> and dangerous yeah uncomfortable is the word yeah and and it's it i i think this is something you and i really need to kind of like dig apart because it's just like really bad both on pine's decision making and jed's decision making you know what i mean it's it jed so this all kind of starts because uh the, the last episode we talked about how uh, Pine goes in a Roper's secret office and spots one of her hairs and realizes she's just been snooping around and he points it out to her, which we marked as like kind of a bad tradecraft idea. But, you know, he's like, be more careful where you're going. And so that kind of makes her uncomfortable. And I don't know, there's kind of like a, a little romance of Bruin from this. And so she comes out to him in the middle of the night and wants to talk to him. And, and she says, oh, don't worry, no one saw me. And he has this great line. He's like, you saw no one see you. That's not the same thing as no one seeing you, which I, I just thought was a great line. But, you know, he's right. This is a really dangerous move on Jed's part. And and, and it kind of creates – it snowballs into this kind of little romance. Of, what it, like, like, and, and that's kind of what Corky is talking about when he kind of approaches Pine. It's just like, stay away from her and blah, blah, blah. I saw you two in the late night interactions or whatever but it's just it, this was like a bad move on her part like do you think there would have been a better way for her to approach this well there's some kind of well i mean yeah uh but <laughs> um i mean there's there's some kind of problem with her marriage that is more discussed than shown right. to me um I, and I don't know, I guess, I mean, obviously, well, if she's super attracted to, uh, Mr. Hiddleston, then, you know, that's a, a problem in and of itself, but, uh, you know, just like there's, there's something, I, I think there's something going on in the marriage that they forgot to put on the screen. Um, Oh, well, there's a lot of complications, you know, with her and her son secretly sending money to another son that she has. But last episode, she just discovered about the arms deal. She had no idea Roper was selling, like, in, doing international arms trades to, like, terrorists and stuff. Um, and, I, and I think that drove a wedge. But you're right. There seems to be a lot more of a troubled marriage than were shown. Right. Right. And, I mean, you know, she's she's not a pro. She doesn't have an agenda. So I don't have any blame on her. Mm-hmm. to to have an affair uh with with pine but i i don't like i i don't like the way that um she just seems to just 
ran randomly periodically just suddenly say like who are you really no tell me <laughs> like like what's going on and then like for a while it seems like fine oh let's okay well fine then let's make out and then later it's like okay well let's you know uh we'll play along and uh i'll i'll the thing about like you know all they had was like one little kiss or something and he's like ah man i mean it goes back to the you know poor tradecraft we called out in the previous episode of even him intruding into her affairs the way he does or telling her that he knows she was in the office there was like there was no reason for that um but like with the suspicions she's got, like, I don't know, her behavior is just, it's just, it's just too random for me. It's like suspicion, suspicion. Oh, okay. Let's make out suspicion, suspicion. <laughs> okay. I'll trust you. Right. Suspicion, suspicion. Who are you? Okay, fine. Let's fuck. Right. There, there may be some kind of subconscious thing where she's seeing him as like a, a, a hero that can save her. I mean, like he has that one line, like, I'm not your way out. When she comes to right, the cottage. Right. It's yeah. stuff like that. And I'm like, way out of what? I mean, right. yeah, they've had I mean, they've had some some testy conversations, but nothing that seems like out of the normal pale of a fucking relatively healthy marriage, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, not 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 whatsoever. I mean, there's the only thing where she's keeping these secrets. But I mean, you know, like her her sister or her mom constantly calls her a whore, you know. So I'm sure she's dealing with that, but you're right. It's not like she has this terrible life. It's just more she learns the secret that her husband is like basically supplying like death and carnage across the world. That might mess with her a little bit, but I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of like a lot of this is kind of a little over dramatized, maybe. Yeah, but I I do like when when she comes to the cottage and he, he sends her out after she like they kiss. He's like walk along the beach and say you couldn't sleep and wanted to go for a night walk and make sure they see you. Cause you know, he just said you saw no one see you. It's not the same thing. Well, like when he, she's leaving, she wants to be seen. Cause the more she's snooping around, the more suspicious it looks. But if she's obviously walking along, you know, like it's yeah, not sure. like she's hiding from anybody. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was, that, there's a little bit of plus points there, but what I don't understand is him sleeping with her at the hotel. Like she, Roper's a smart guy, right? And Corky's already got his suspicions, right? She might be trying to test, you know, Roper, you don't get to be Roper's, the, like a heavyweight like Roper without like, you know, you know, cross, crossing your T's and dotting your I's, right? So this might be her trying to get more information and like compromise him, you know? You, you, you don't, like from, from Pine's perspective, he doesn't have any information about her really and and he might see like kind of like a troubled marriage and he knows about her extra son and all this other and she's obviously not happy but you know th- this could be a ploy to like trap pine you know what i'm saying like yeah, I, I think pine is a little like indiscreet with this yeah go yeah. ahead sorry i mean but let's let's be clear like i'm not i'm not trying to say that if elizabeth debicki is trying to get into my pants that i am going to offer any resistance whatsoever (laughs) regardless of the situation but Um, you know i'm i definitely am gonna wake up the next day and say oh fuck 
I right. fucked up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, one thing I do want to put a lot of blame on her, though, uh, when she when when she calls Roper out last episode about the arms deals, he was like, "Look, you have things you don't talk about, like the son. I'm paying for another son's or another man's son." She was like, "Oh, you looked into my life." He obviously is capable of like researching stuff. So uh, she actually calls Pine at the hotel when he's out with Roper for the arms deals. She like like she should think like the phone is probably bugged. Like 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 it seems like the scene seems like she's just kind of like, oh, I miss him so much. I just got to hear his voice and make sure he's okay. You know, like she's obviously kind of falling from him from what we're shown, but. It's like, he's right. He's like, we can't be on this line. Like, why Why wouldn't she consider that? Like, I think she's a lot smarter than that. Like, and I think it's established that she's a lot smarter than that. Like, I don't think she's just some dumb, pretty face. You know what I mean? She's got some street smarts about her, right? Like, um. Yeah, I'm. I'm not so sure about that. I don't really think that Roper's operation is into, like, is Roper is into like tapping the phone conversations of his, of his inner circle. I mean, I don't, right. I don't think he's got that kind of setup. Right. But, well, that's, but, I mean, well, Corky obviously has some sort of tech stuff, but he wasn't there. Cause he was the one that heard some other stuff, right? He was the one checking up. He was the one that checked Pine's background. So I guess if he's not involved anymore, maybe, I don't know. Well, anyway, Angela's team is listening in and bugging the phones and they hear that conversation and Angela calls Pine out about it, that they're having a thing. And so Angela wants to pull Pine out. Um, do you think that's a good move? It's, the, think, big, th- it's the biggest piece of bullshit in, uh, in an episode that's got a lot of bullshit in it. Um, <laughs> they've got, you know, I had to go back and specifically like listen to the conversation because I was like, was there, did I miss something? Was there something more there? Like, all they've got is like, I just wanted you to, to know that you were there. We got to get off the line. There's nothing, there's nothing here that is damning. And even if she did like have, um, you know, Bona, what do you call it? Uh, prima facie evidence right. that he's having an affair with Jed. Fine. That's perfect. That's stirring the pot, right? That's going to bring a lot of chaos in a Roper's life, right? Sure. Right? I mean, if he's, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's not a reason to pull him out at all. Um, I I agree. And so does Pine, who then refuses to, to leave. And he actually calls out Angela's team that are at the hotel and tells Roper, we got to get out of here. There's police. Yeah, there's a few people in the lobby. I'm pretty sure they're English. And then uh, Roper sends out Frisky and watches, and he's like, yeah, definitely police, and they get out. So it's interesting. Pine kind of throws Angela's team under the bus. It's very uh, interesting. It's very cool. It was yeah. the it was the most, like, like kind of fuck yeah uh-huh. uh, part of the episode. But, yeah, kind of kind of overdramatic, not really necessary, but fun. I like it. Right, yeah. Super fun. I, I, I'm a little worried that maybe they would have killed them. I mean, I guess it's out in public, so maybe not. And it really, if, if three international enforcement agents die, the, the, there's going to be investigations. So may, maybe the best thing is to cut and run. So 
Pine probably might have factored that. I don't know. It was it was really cool and fun. I, I liked it, but I was kind of worried. Like, you could get these people killed. Th- these are not like just like nice people, you know. They, they're known for all kinds of murder, right? I I don't know. Do do we know that? I don't know. I mean, the the implications that Corky makes about like what Roper would do to Jed's pretty face. If he found out, like, I don't see evidence of this stuff. I don't see, you know, I mean, yeah, like uh frisky and tabby are kind of menacing, but right. We haven't seen them kill or torture anyone. Right. Um, we actually don't get a confirmation until a little bit later with Oppo. Uh, but before we get into that, because we'll lead into that, let, let's let's go to London. I know you had a lot of stuff to talk about in London. So yeah, I mean, London is uh, London. I think in this episode, it's it, I think it's best understood if we follow the papers around in their in oh, their different absolutely. iterations. Um, you know, starting with the documents that uh, he took pictures of and put up on Zitter Zatter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sometime back um angela's gonna or burr i don't want to disrespect women by using their first names when i always use last names for men it's a bad habit of mine i'm trying to break it um uh let's see burr shows apo the papers or copies of the papers um and this is I guess minor, but I think this is what started my Spidey senses tingling uh-huh. was, I don't think it's a good idea to do that. Um, okay. At the very least, like have someone retype the information uh-huh. because if, when he sees the, the, she's got actual like pictures of the documents that is evident. That's like proof that there's a leak. I mean, like a like a genuine leak, like leak of someone with direct. Oh, someone physically was there. Oh, I see. Right, right. Whereas, if you just give them the names and numbers, like you could have come across those different ways, or maybe um, have gathered it up from various sources mm-hmm. uh, instead of That's this direct really proof that someone in the chain at some point made a conscious decision directly to put this information into uh, the British intelligence pipeline. Um, That's, there's also a problem too. When she gets back uh, per her request and he's handwritten all these notes that kind of connect things, she's going to go around showing, you know, copies of that exact thing to other people as well. And, I'm sitting there going, you know, at some point this is going to come to the attention of someone that like recognizes that handwriting. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's a bomb that doesn't, doesn't go off in this, uh, in this particular episode, but you know, it's the same sort of thing. Just kind of put some, put a little more, uh, uh, cover over your information than just showing but i mean it's a tv you know it's a television it's a visual medium it really is so tempting and just so easy to like hand over the documents right in front of the camera so that the audience just immediately knows like oh you're talking about that information um so yeah uh quibble there um like i guess i don't need to follow every single like step but 
Well, maybe I could throw it out real quick. It's uh, so she gets that, then she takes that with the, or we'll call those the annotated documents. She's gonna show those to her boss, Rex Mayhew. Oh. The scene immediately. Oh wait. Oh, and that's of course after he gets intimidated by some suspicious vans on the street that kind of yeah, try to run him. Yeah, because they offered to bribe him, and now he's just he rides his bike to work every day or something, and two random vans just like kind of give him a scare on the street, you know, and and it kind of provokes him, and he like triples the budget for Angela. He's like, they picked the wrong guy, you know. I'm, like I'm not sure that was a good idea. That scare tactic. That doesn't really. No, it's not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> um. But it's. Okay, so yeah, it was, and it backfires, right? Because he, yeah, he triples your budget. He says, you know, uh, you know, you're gonna, you know, get, take everything you need, um, to to do this job. We won't be intimidated. She asks him who Halo and Felix are, and he looks at her funny. Uh, I don't think he actually is on team bad guy, mm-hmm. um, but it was weird that they they had him look at her funny and almost with a little slight smile on his face uh-huh. um and it's right after that scene that roper gets a phone call where and he'll talk to sandy about the the contents of the phone call later but basically that he knows that rex mayhew is like onto him or thinks he uh-huh. has something on him so how that information gets to Rope, well, I got to ask, like, who the, myself, like, who the phone call comes from. The only people I can think of are Dromgul or the permanent secretary, um, who we're going to find out is on Team Bad Guy. Both of them are. Um, and Dromgul, like, I'm trying to figure out what he could have told Roper. Like, I guess all that it seems like he really could have told him at that point was... um they've they've increased the budget and staffing of an operation that's trying to trying to pull you down but not enough specific to tell roper like for instance he, he you know it's not like hey dude they've got the trade pass papers right they don't get that until later they they, they there was a line from roper earlier in the episode where he's talking to uh what's the other guy that the wife left him sandy sandy Lord Langborn or something. Yeah. Uh, He's like saying, yeah, uh, Halo and Felix are completely spooked. They say they don't have much, but they seem to be worried about something. And and I think it's just Limpet's existence. But yeah, after they try and scare him and then Rex triples the budget, you know, something's going on in there. So that's going to shoot up some flags. Um, Sure. And Roper's response is just to like move up the timetable. Which right. doesn't doesn't fit in with the ultra cautious, impenetrable, makes no <laughs> mistakes kind of persona that we were sold as an hey, audience in the early. He, he said it multiple times. We run a tight ship, but everybody seems to be fucking up on that ship, right? Like, <laughs> and then further, check this out. Later, we are going to... Okay, the, the some documents are going to get into Drumgoul's hands. 
And we'll talk about how in a second. But speaking of making calls to Roper and letting him know what's up, this is the time to call Roper, I think. And maybe, and maybe he does, but we don't see that. So, like, I don't know why we need to see, like, we need to be shown, like, someone, you know, hey, someone increased the budget on an operation that's looking after you. Be careful. And then, of course, Roper isn't very careful. Uh, <laughs> but we don't get to see the much more important phone call of, dude, they've got numbers and names and all sorts of shit. Right. Um. So then how did they, how did Drumgold get the papers is clearly that's right after Rex Mayhew shows the permanent secretary uh, and uh, the, the stuff. And that's the annotated stuff. Um, so again, it's got... Which, by the way, I thought was really clever of the secretary. That's the super, I guess that's Rex's supervisor, but she's like the permanent secretary to that department or something. Yeah, the, I, if I have this right, the permanent secretary is the highest level of unelected official in the English government. So whatever, oh, wow. whatever, like, uh, you know, set of bureaus you're on top of, uh-huh. you got a, a permanent secretary. And then above that is, you know, like parliament. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Um, but what she does is 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 really interesting to provoke getting the information. She runs into Rex's office and is just like, you know what? Your girl Angela's been ruffling a lot of feathers. And I think we should replace her. Here are two of my favorite candidates. I especially like this one. Right? And Rex, he's like, he can't say no to her, right? Because I guess she's his direct supervisor. Or like way above his head, right? But instead, he's just like, no, you don't understand. She's closer than anybody to getting Roper. She's like, and then you could see her like smile drop. And she's like, watch, let me show you. And this is for your eyes only. And he basically shows her the family jewels. You know what I mean? Like pretty much everything they have on it. And that's that's how all that information gets over to Dromgul and 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 then, then the Roper, which I, I really liked how she provoked Rex into showing her these documents. Like I don't think she ever planned to replace Angela. Like, I think that was just to see what they have already. Okay. Well, that's a very, that's a, that's a generous interpretation, uh, which is, it's, it's plausible because as I mentioned, like uh, in a previous episode in which we hadn't yet learned that the permanent secretary is on team bad guy. um, She had a perfectly valid, like, you know, when, when Drumgoole, and his guys came over from the river house and said, look, we, uh, we think that this limpet thing should be under us. Uh, Rex basically uses the permanent secretary as a shield. Mm-hmm. Um, and she backs him up on it. And, you know, if she was wanted to be on team bad guy, that was, you know, and so instead they do the stupid trying to bribe him thing. When the solution right there was just like for her to just side with river house and say, Sorry, Rex, I think they have a point. Um, Wait, was that her in that conversation? It was, yes. Oh, well, that's bad writing. It was the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was her, and it was, remember, the the, the Langley attache. Yeah. Um, 
was in that conversation as well. That's Felix, or oh. I think Drumgul is Halo, and and she's Felix. So, so yeah, the, that was like the, the that was Langley contact, right? Yeah, like that was a room full of werewolves and only one villager. Is what I'm trying to say. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah. So she should have backed it up then before. Well, because what she does is immediately call Drumgul and tell him, no, they have everything. So, yeah, you're right. That implies she was always on Team Bad Guy. Unless she was recruited after the fact. She also, well, yeah. Mm. But we don't see that. So that doesn't help us, right? (laughs) Right. And, you know, also it just would have been easier for her to just come in and say, you know, Rex, I'm sorry about that whole thing about, you know, Langley and Riverhouse, they're just not, they're just not letting up. And, you know, they may, they've made their case to me and I've agreed we're going to put Limpet uh, under MI6. Sorry. Uh, um, that's really annoying. I'm going back to that scene. That's her. Yeah. That's her the whole time. Why, why didn't she just, yeah, no. I, I, I did not realize that was the same. I thought that was just a brand new character. That's so annoying. What else is, ah. anno- what else is annoying is, you know, when she's like, she first starts by like, just kind of picking at him. Like, how well do you know Burr? And do you know what she's up to kind of stuff? So, uh-huh. I mean, you're right. She is fishing for information. Right. Um, so, and that's, and that's why I kind of like your theory. What I don't like is Rex Mayhew's like, Oh, I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't like to micromanage when he just, I mean, that's a stupid lie that is easily checked, even if she doesn't already know. Cause I mean, these kind of budget changes should be coming to her attention, or at least she could look it up. Uh, uh, well, he did know. say, don't ask me where I got it. You don't want to know. So it might be uh, some under the table funding, right? I I guess ah uh, nah because you're right that should go through her he would have to tell her this is where it's going yeah I don't know if she necessarily personally needs to sign off on every single department budget change um but I'll go back to too like you know when these vans come out of nowhere and try to run you off the road on your bike and and fucking intimidate you like the first person I'm gonna you know, when I get back to work and I'm all pissed off, the first person that I'm going to start unloading on is not my subordinates. It's going to be my supervisor. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so it's just like scripty questionable why he never brought that up to her. That's right. You would think that would go up the chain. By the way, someone tried to attack me. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. And he would have, why didn't he bring up the bribe? That too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless, unless, well, no, even, even if he's trying to keep it under wraps about the whole limpet organ, what they have and stuff, you would think he could still tell like his, like the, the, the secretary, Hey, by the way, drum from the river house just tried to bribe me. Uh, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I guess I w- <laughs> um, there's there's that there's there's also there's a bunch of stuff that like as information like comes to team good guy that they don't act on in in realistic ways, I, which totally went past me on the first watch. 
mm-hmm. of the episode. But on the second watch of the episode, I actually thought it kind of was insulting my intelligence a bit. And <laughs> actually a lot. Um, right. And I, I felt so weird about it. I try not to read other people's reviews before uh, we do the show because I don't want to be colored on them. But I was so pissed off by this episode, honestly, on a tradecraft level. Keep in mind, I'm keeping like plot and story separate here. I love the story. I'm I'm really annoyed by the plot. <laughs> um, but it's overwhelmingly good reviews. But the few bad ones I could find, they're talking about exactly what I'm talking about, and they're saying like the the directing and the excellent writing, like really, it does a great job of papering over like glaring holes in right. people's judgment. <laughs> And, and the decision process. And it could be an editing thing. It could be the in the edit room where some of this like fell apart and things were put in a different order uh-huh. than they originally were in the script or mm-hmm. in the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen, I've seen that happen before. Um, the other major like intersection of the, I mean, she shows the papers to fucking everybody in London, it feels like. <laughs> and that, it pisses me off when she yells at him about like, I told you these were for your eyes only. And right. first of all, no, you didn't, at least not on screen. And second of all, who haven't you shown these papers to? Right. Well, you know, she she hits up that guy Harry. Uh-huh. By the way, we get a porch bench scene out of that, yeah. which is great. Two. But there's a guy. Yeah, two of them. Yeah. Uh, but there's a guy at the River House in MI6 who she's trying to keep this whole op away from. But I, I guess they have a history, and she thinks of him as like a good guy, like an honorable guy. Sure. Know, a guy is, and so she just sends him the papers, like mails them to him, and he gets them in the River House. You would think that mail is like checked or something. Oh no right? no 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 no! You got that wrong. Actually, that that was a really clever uh, bit. Uh, she he gets a doctor's appointment notice, a reminder about his doctor's appointment. Oh, oh! I thought in that envelope was like copies of. Oh no, that's right. She hands it to them at the park bench in a in, in a folded that's, newspaper. Yeah, that's right. Oh wow, that part oh, was cool. I did miss that. That part that was really, really cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so whatever it was on the doctor's appointment, like, however it is, it's it's code for meet me at this time at this bench. Right. <laughs> at this park bench, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, and then that puts him into the pipeline of people that could be leaking information about what Burr's up to. But I think my instincts are serving me well here i think mayhew's clean and i think harry's clean um what happens though in this conversation at the park bench like she shows him the papers and she just she kind of strong arm intimidate soft intimidates him you know like you're a great guy you're just easily misled and it would be a shitty way for this to you know to be the way that your career ends and i'm not I don't get what hold she has on him that he just basically fucking spills everything. I mean, he says, yeah, we've been forging ministry of defense certificates on weapons and we're paying off. uh, I'm getting paid off along with the, the Langley attache 
to cover up and we're profiting off of this arm steel stuff. I mean, he gives her everything. Yeah. Um, and, and promises more because right. he's going to leave uh, some files uh, at a, like a dead drop at a library that oh. her team's going to pick up the next morning. So at the beginning of this, near the beginning, well, the very beginning of the episode, Roper explains the trade pass shell game to uh, Pine. Pine. And I don't, I, it, uh, either I'm missing something or the script doesn't care, but it, it all just doesn't seem all that incredibly clever to me. Um, but then our next scene is when Burr is showing Apo the, do- the documents and she's like, I was hoping you could connect the dots for me. And as an audience member, I want to raise my hand and say, yeah, could uh, could someone connect the dots for me <laughs> while we're at it? Because I just see I just see Nate like, you know, military hardware and and numbers and I guess now attached to names. And then now with all that connected, then that gets leveraged into an even bigger drop of information where they've literally are talking about like Roper's doing this Roper's doing that. This is the arms deal. This is how it goes down. Noticed that the way that she explains uh, the way the money stuff works is totally different than what Roper told Pine. Mm -hmm. So maybe she just doesn't understand it as well. Or maybe Roper is maybe not telling Pine the entire truth. What I think is that the the this TV show doesn't really care. These documents are taking on a distinct MacGuffin s- smell to them, to me. <laughs> They're an excuse for people to like um, do the secret roundabout. You know, the here I'm going to share a secret with you, and we get a dramatic scene out, out of that. Like person A says, person B, keep my secret. Person B tells person C about the secret. And we get a dramatic scene out of that. Person C tells person D that they know. And then we get a dramatic scene out of that. Person D leaks to person A. Hey, I know about the secret. We get a dramatic scene out of that. And then person A can go back to person B and yell at them and say, what the fuck? We get a dramatic scene out of that. Like, I just feel they're milking this stuff. For like a lot of story stuff, but the information that they've got uh, at at many points, I'm like, what is the what is the distance between what they know and what they feel they need to know to take actual action or to raise the alarm? Um, especially like by the end of the episode, she's got, oh my god. She's got Roper attached to all these like money deals uh, with names and numbers and knowledge of like locations and names of ships and payoffs to MI6 and payoffs to Langley between here and where is like, what, what are we missing? I feel like um, if this show cared, if this show wanted to be more like a procedural kind of thing, at some point, someone would needs to say a line like, "What we're missing is this." Like, oh, set yeah. 
tell me, like, set up the board game to me and tell me, like, what constitutes a win. Right. Um, you know, someone needs to say, like, God, if only we could get him to sign up, blah, blah, blah. Or if right. only we could get, like, video of him in the same room with dude or something like that. Uh, so that I would understand, like, with all the information that they're collecting. And, um, yeah, I'm annoyed that, uh, you know, as soon as I know about Halo and Felix, like, it, like Roper suddenly becomes a much smaller concern to me. I don't care about Roper anymore. Well, of course, <laughs> Burr's got her. She's Captain Ahab, though, right? Right. Pretty much. Yeah, and she's she, chasing Roper as her, like, you know, Moby Dick. That, yeah. Absolutely. And she, she does get her late night speech uh, with the with the other lady on her team, right. uh, explaining like you know how how she lost her hand to the alligator. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so maybe there's something where she's not doing what I think she should do because it's gotten personal to her, mm-hmm. and maybe the show just slightly fell under the bar for me of like justifying that because I'm just well, it seems start- like she's trying to catch him red-handed and that's what like uh pine is promising her by the way i'm so close don't worry you know you can't pull me out i'm close and you'll get him red-handed and blah 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 and that's kind of but she still kind of wants to pull him out you know you're right there is kind of a disconnect it, it seems like she's consumed with like chasing the white whale but then also keeps a cool head at m- I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like you're right. It's weird. I'm honestly starting to become concerned that mm-hmm. the plot is the final resolution is going to have something more to do with uh, Roper and Jonathan Pine on a rooftop somewhere uh, <laughs> than like some kind of like what I expect from John Le Carre, like right. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spot, like the the. The stuff going on there, it was clear. I understood, like, all the moving parts. I understood what we had and what we needed. And right. what were the difficulties and the hurdles that were stopping us from getting from, you know, from A to the finish line. Absolutely understood everything in A Most Wanted Man. Like, not that I knew everything that was going on, but I knew what I knew. I knew what the characters knew and what they didn't know. Right. Here, I'm like, I don't think you guys even care about this stuff. I think you just want to talk about spice stuff, talk about leaks and, and moles. And I'm doing a thing where, like, I just have little Muppet hands, like, yapping at each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it feeds into a broader picture, too, of, like, um, like I, I also am feeling a little left behind and lost about, like, what pines operation it how like did they have a plan i don't think they have a plan i think they have a plan of getting him in and then what uh i presume there was a lot more discussion and preparation and maybe they talked about they planned out the zitter zatter thing like you know you find anything here's a secure way you can communicate with us um but besides sending the documents he did, like he's collected a lot of information since then, which he, again, I, I don't think he even needs the kid's cell phone anymore. At this point, he's far enough into the circle. I mean, they're giving him his, you know, his executive credit card and 
and all his suits and stuff. I'm sure he's allowed to have a cell phone at this point. Right. So he's not, he's not giving her information. And that's just, it's annoying to me that the show is kind of forgetting like what the point of his operation is on a plot level. Absolutely. Um, it, it seems like they focused more on the story in this episode than keeping consistent tradecraft, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it feels like, it feels like what this episode mostly does, it, besides being, because also like Pine, he just doesn't do much in this, in this episode, except get tangled into his stupid relationship with Jed. Um, except at the end when he pulls off that weird, like super double cross thing, which I, I, I applaud. It's super exciting, but it's concerning for me as to where the show is headed. Um, what the show, what London mostly did was like, kind of take its time and in a clever, dramatic, well-written way, kind of give us information about more information about who's on team good and who's on team bad. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of disturb us, you know, with the uh, the extent of the conspiracy, um, <laughs> but kind of kind of not caring at all, really, about the details of what the conspiracy is up to or what the nuts and bolts mission is that we're trying to accomplish. So um, I'm still super on board with the show, but uh, I I can every single character that I know their name except maybe Tabby and Frisky <laughs> uh, and maybe the Russian sailor um, are, are fucking, well, I don't know his name, but uh, like ev- everybody's fucking up, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was saying, like for a group that runs a tight ship, they sure fuck up a lot. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like this episode was more of just kind of, moving pieces into place and focus more on a story to, like you said, we're just going to have like some intense, like face off with, with Roper and Pine at the end or something. Uh, and, and I think that's where it's headed. That's where, or at least that's what it feels like. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's about it for episode four. Did you have anything else you wanted to throw in? Or? No, that's, that's everything I've got. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, that's episode four of the night manager. Join us next week for episode five. And uh, you can listen to us uh, at our website, spieslikeus.net, or search us on your favorite podcast app, Spies Like Us Podcast. Make sure you put in the podcast so you don't pick up the Chevy Chase and Dan Ackley film. Uh, and uh, you find, follow us on Twitter and tell us what you think. If you, if you like us or don't like us, see, either way, just say hello and give us a shout out. Uh, our Twitter is spies underscore like us. And you can go to facebook.com slash spies like us podcast. would be our Facebook page. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Uh, we'll talk to y'all later. The preceding transmission sampled the song Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net.